Father Trent told a story a few years ago that has stayed with me. I got his permission to tell it so that you don't think I'm stealing his material. But I've been thinking about it a lot lately. A few years ago, Trent was having lunch in a restaurant during Holy Week, and he was wearing his collar. And one of the workers there struck up a conversation with him, or maybe Trent struck up the conversation with the worker. But either way, it came around to religion, and the waiter said, They call it Good Friday, but a guy lost his life. That does not seem very good to me. They call it Good Friday, but a guy lost his life. That does not seem very good to me. And I don't know how Trent responded, but the man's comment has always struck me as a very reasonable observation. And some of you maybe can relate to his questioning. Where is the good in Good Friday? I mean, today is the day that we tell the saddest part of the story. It is shot through with betrayal and injustice and violence and finally a terrible death. Love loses. They call it Good Friday, but if that is the story, it does not sound very good. So where is the good in Good Friday. Now I can tell you, it is not found in some sort of silver lining. As if to say, well yes, it was bad, but it really could have been worse. It could not have been worse. God, incarnate, died. God, incarnate, died at the hands of men. Consider the cosmic disorder of that statement. Father Trent could have told the waiter that it was actually far worse than he supposed. That it was not just a man that lost his life, but the creator of life lost his life. The Prince of Peace suffered violence and death brutally and unjustly. Where is the good in Good Friday? I can tell you that there is enormous good in Good Friday. Eternal, incredible good. Yet it lies not in the day's circumstances, but it lies in the very heart of God the Son. And specifically, the good in Good Friday comes because Jesus waited with sovereign purpose. And he put himself in a sympathetic position so that he might pay the saving price for us. The good in Good Friday comes because Jesus waited with sovereign purpose. He put himself in a sympathetic position so that he could pay the saving price for us. So first, Jesus waited with sovereign purpose. Now, Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. 
He said so at the meal in the upper room. He said, one of you will betray me. And then he looked at Judas and he said, what you are about to do, do quickly. And then Judas left out into the night. And then Jesus and the disciples left. Now Judas went to go get the mob and Jesus and the disciples went to the garden of Gethsemane. We're told that Judas knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. Now think about this. Let me ask you. If you knew that someone was going to betray you to an angry mob, would you go to the most predictable place that you could think of? Wouldn't you slip away from town under the cover of darkness and escape arrest? Wouldn't you use a route that you did not normally take and go somewhere that you didn't normally go? Jesus went to Gethsemane. Jesus went to the place that Judas knew he would be and he went there on purpose and he waited. And while he waited, he prayed. He was afraid. The Gospel of Luke tells us that he was so stressed that his sweat became like drops of blood. He implored God the Father to let the cup of judgment pass from him. He was surely afraid of the physical violence that he was going to endure. He dreaded the abandonment of his disciples and he could not fathom the cosmic separation from the Father that he was about to face. And yet he did not flee. He did not run off so he could live to see another day. With sovereign purpose, Jesus stayed. With sovereign purpose, Purpose. Jesus waited for Judas and the soldiers. Now, why would he do that? So they could catch him. Afraid though he may have been in his humanity, in his divinity, he was in complete control. So much so that when he speaks, the power of his words literally knocks them to the ground. If that were me, I would have yelled, I am he, and then taken off. But not Jesus. Jesus left his throne in heaven for this moment. Jesus was born for this moment. Jesus ministered to the crowds For this moment. And he would not walk away from it. And so with sovereign purpose, he allows himself to be arrested so that he could put himself in a sympathetic position. Now what do I mean by that? Think about what we're told that Jesus endures over the next 15 or so hours after he's arrested. One of his closest companions betrays him. One of his very closest friends denies that he even knew him. He has repeated terrible 
experiences with a very religious institution that should have offered him safety. He is falsely accused. He is condemned. He is mocked mercilessly. He's spit upon. He suffers extreme physical violence. He suffers the indignity and humiliation of being hung naked on a cross before a jeering crowd. And we could go on. So what about you? Have you ever had one of your close friends betray you? Maybe not handing you over to corrupt authorities, but turn their back on you or treat you in a way that was hurtful? Have you ever been hurt by the church? By the very religious institution that should have been a place of safety? Hopefully not this one, but maybe. Churches are or should be a place of safety, but churches are made up of people, and sometimes our own mess comes out sideways, and it can be very hurtful. Or have you ever been falsely accused, made to take the blame for something that you did not have anything to do with? Have you been mocked, or suffered violence, or been humiliated? And what I'm trying to show you is that in the brokenness of your own life, you don't just get a tisk-tisk from Jesus. But you have a Savior who understands because He has endured it too. By allowing Himself to be arrested and endure those terrible trials, Jesus put Himself in a sympathetic position to anything that you face. Now to be sure, Good Friday is about more than Jesus' sympathy, and we're going to get to the heart of it in the final point. But, the, but part of the good of Good Friday is that Jesus understands our suffering because He suffered. Now we today might rightly mourn the terrible treatment that Jesus endured and feel the pain of remembering His suffering, but part of the good in Good Friday is that because of his suffering, we know that we have a God to whom we can relate and who will relate to us on every level. Whenever we suffer these things, the question is often asked, you know, how could a good God let this happen? You've asked that before. I've, I've asked that before. How could a good God let this terrible thing happen. We almost never have a satisfying answer to that question. But we do know what the answer can't be. The answer cannot be that God doesn't love us. Because he did not even keep himself from suffering. There was good and godly purpose in his own suffering. And part of the good in Good Friday is that his suffering tells us that even if we can't see it, even if we never know what it is, that there is purpose in our suffering too. We live in a broken world. And Jesus came to solve the brokenness, not by shaming it and telling it to stop, but by entering in and experiencing it. So Jesus waited with sovereign purpose 
And he put himself in a sympathetic position, but it was all so that he could pay the saving price. And this really is the goodest good in Good Friday. John tells us when Jesus, hanging from the cross, had received the sour wine from the sponge, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Without those three words, it is finished, Trent's waiter would have been right. Without Jesus' triumphant declaration, it is finished, this would just be a sad story of injustice and brutality. But the words, it is finished, change everything. Everything. Now the Greek word that is translated, it is finished, does not mean the end. Or, you know, that's a wrap. It means all is accomplished. It means all that I have come to do is fulfilled. The idea of the word is that a command has been carried out or that a mission has been completed. Jesus is declaring victory. He had accomplished what he came to do. It is finished. The mission is complete. And what is the mission that has been completed? You are. You're the mission. Because you know all that accusation and condemnation in your life that Jesus can sympathize with that we just talked about. You know all the betrayal or the humiliation or the abuse in your life to which Jesus can relate. Or what about the accusation and the condemnation or the betrayal that you have caused? What about that? What about the ways that you have not upheld your word, the ways that you've taken advantage of other people for your own benefit? What about all those things? Jesus has taken all of it. The brokenness against you, the brokenness in you, the brokenness wielded by you against others, and on that cross, He took it all on Himself. As if there was a cosmic funnel hanging above his thorn-crowned head all of the sin of the world, all of the shocking selfishness and the appalling violence and the bitter hatred and the calloused apathy, the things done and left undone in thought, word, and deed across the centuries and around the world, it was all poured out on him. As Isaiah tells us, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. For the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. With the life of the righteous Son of God, your sins were paid for. In the death of Christ, your own death was defeated. 
And there is now no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Everything He endured, He endured to make you His own. Everything He suffered, He suffered to make you whole. Because of His sacrifice, you are pure and clean and guilt-free in the Father's eyes. You are not defined by the sins of your past. You are set free to a life lived in the assurance and glory of His love. He paid the saving price for you. For you. And that really is the good in Good Friday. The circumstances of the story are terrible. But it is finished. And it is the heart of our Savior who endured the cross for our salvation that is very, very good. Amen.